Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box, rumours swirl that Larry Emder is set to replace Andrew O'Keefe as host of The Chase. Ranger Stacey speaks about her sacking from Channel 10 and we speak to the experts from Married at First Sight about what really happens on reality TV. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello and welcome to another big edition of the TV Black Box podcast. I'm Rob McKnight. You can find me at Rob underscore McKnight. Sarah Monaghan is beaming in from the other side of the world. Florida, I believe, is her location today. Hello, Sarah. Hello. Yes, I am in Florida, but I am nowhere near the Super Bowl. (laughs) What a shame. You can watch it on TV, though. It's on in the background. How good. Good to see you focused. Aaron Ryan is joining us from Perth. Hello, Aaron. Hello. It's always a big podcast every week. It is indeed. And joining us for the first time is industry stalwart Rod Morris, who's joining us from the Gold Coast. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. Now, Rod... You are a TV veteran and you're joining the TV Black Box podcast for the first time. Tell our listeners a little bit about your career. Uh, basically, over the last 26 years, well, I come from a background of, of directing and editing. I went off on this strange tangent uh, uh, when a couple of mates of mine that worked at what used to be Southern Star and became Southern Star Endemol. They said, oh, we're trying to get off the ground this animated... Um, game show it's sort of like animated pictionary and that was catchphrase that was 26 years ago and i thought oh that was a nice one-off thing to do and that went on and became something now numbering about 70 ish formats from you know most of the things you recognize on tv these days like hard quiz the chase uh, did the last incarnation of prices right family feud so yeah and was a producer on big brother for 11 series, including the uh, one celebrity edition we did. So, yeah, I've had a very mixed career and still making things, even though officially I've retired. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a lot of experience. So I want to get this clear. So a lot of the game animations we see on TV shows, they come from you and your team. Yeah, well, it's it's more the technology that drives it. So something like Hard Quiz, this uh, wonderful little show on the ABC on Wednesday nights. It's one of the highest rating uh, non-news programs around these days. Mm-hmm. It might look very simple, but uh, to give the example of how that's run, that's actually held together seven computers, four touchscreens, buzzers, database of questions, sound effects, firing off uh, lighting triggers via MIDI. So seven computers, 13 outputs, all those things all linked together, and I can run it off a laptop. 
Oh, wow. Geez, we've come a long way since Sale of the Century. Just a bit, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Rod, it's good to have you on board. I look forward to your insightful commentary. In the meantime, let's get into the topics of the week. And Seven is set to announce Larry Amger as the new host of The Chase, as early as this week, sources say. That's the rumour doing the rounds in TV circles as one of the most coveted roles in television comes up for grabs. Larry has made no secret of his desire for a new challenge and he is well-liked by bosses at Seven. It's understood he came close to not renewing his contract at the end of 2020 for another year of the morning show and was offered the hosting role of the chase as part of those negotiations sarah larry seems like a good choice to me i love larry he's a charming man he's uh, very entertaining but i did find it interesting that on the the news.com.au article where they referenced that you guys had broke the news and they had a list of other potential male people who could possibly take the job and i was curious why it's only ever men who host these shows and never a woman uh, i totally agree with you sarah in fact i think they to me can the chase survive without andrew o'keefe that's a big question in my mind over this that's the big question which is why he has survived so long despite the issues behind the scenes and and we need to be clear there's been an interesting timeline because sunday week ago the Telegraph, Annette Sharp, ran a story saying Andrew was being replaced. Seven vehemently denied that. A day later, the charges come out about Andrew and Seven advised he's left the network at the end of 2020. So there's a bit of... Fudging of the dates. Not quite truth-telling here and, and a bit of spin, which has come to light. But the fact is... The Andrew O'Keefe has been a big success of their pre 6 p.m. fortunes. The Deal or No Deal show led the ratings charge in the early days, and Chase has followed suit. It is a big deal to change that. You don't want it to be a poison chalice. I will say the article we did saying who should be the next host um, got over 300 comments. It's been one of our hmm. biggest stories of the year by far. And it shows how much people are interested in this uh, role, Aaron. And and Rod's right and Sarah's right in that there's very few women. Natasha Exelby was one of the names mentioned. But it's not a role traditionally seen as being hosted by women. Could a woman work in the role? I don't see why not. I mean, does having a vagina mean you can't host a show? Like... <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's not. But why? Why are they going towards men? And I've got to be honest, in my list, I was asked for my picks. I put men. Why did I do that? I think that's just because it's traditional. It's just what we've always done and that's what they'll always do until somebody puts their foot down and says we need to change it. Have you yeah. guys ever seen the US version of The Chase? It's hosted by a woman that used to be uh, a regular on uh, Baywatch. And it, it, while it's off air now, it was on the Game Show Network. Um, what's her name? It was Brooke... Uh, God, I can't think of her name. Burns? Brooke Burns, yeah. She, and, and, and the only chaser they used was Mark LeBat, who's the, the, the beast. And they had this whole sexual dynamic going between them. Uh, it's, it's been off air for the last year or two, but ABC's bringing it back. And again, they're using a female host. And I, nice. it's always done my head in in Australia why, you know, I've been involved with a lot of shows. We've done a lot of pilots where... 
you know, get in all these interesting people, a lot of women for for castings, and think, yeah, great. And then they just go back to the same. Oh, let's if it's nine, it's Eddie. If it's seven, it was Andrew or you know Larry. But, but like, that's I, the thing. It, sometimes it's not even a male female thing. Sometimes it's literally about the networks always wanting the same old people. You know, at Channel Ten, it's Osha Gunsberg, it's Amanda Grant Keller, Daniel. it's Grant yep. Daniel. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> at nine, yes, it is Eddie, or it's Carl. At seven, uh, it's been until this stage Andrew O'Keefe hosting all the pre. 6pm shows. So is it the networks wanting to play it safe, Aaron, and not actually um, take a risk? This is a really important decision what they do with pre five with the 5.30 show. Which is exactly why they're going with the safe choice. I think it's a good choice. It's a safe choice. It's a choice that makes sense. It ticks off many boxes. It's a Channel 7 personality, so it essentially is keeping it in the family. It cross-promotes the morning show and the Chase Australia. Larry's likeable. He's been around for a long time minimal risk uh, and issues and certainly has experience in, in this kind of format. I guess I was hoping for someone a little left field, something that would reinvigorate the show. Um, but of course, Seven will, will play it safe. They uh, won't put any risk in there and they don't want to muck up their 6pm news leading. So Larry is actually the perfect choice in that line. To me, the best left field choice, if they could dig him out and he'd be willing to do it, would be Red Simons. Because to me, <laughs> you, you either got to go completely <laughs> left field or you got to look at what Andrew was. Like, Andrew's quick, he's witty, he's smart. To put in someone that's a safe bet like Larry, and don't get me wrong, Larry's great talent, love Larry. Um, I just think he's too safe a bet. And it's just sort of going to... It's just going to... The format's going to dwindle and die that way. Interesting. Red Simon certainly has the chops and the smarts for it, but they'd all be thinking the last show he hosted didn't quite work. All right, today's show co-host Alison Langdon was badly injured when a pre-recorded segment went wrong while the team were filming up on the Gold Coast. The accident occurred in a foil surfing showdown between Langdon and co-host Carl Stefanovic. A Nine spokesperson told TV Blackbox Ali hurt her leg after landing awkwardly during filming a story and was sent to hospital. The Daily Telegraph reported Langdon would undergo surgery on her knee and will require a lengthy break from her on air. Duties. Now, this is interesting, Aaron. We've seen accidents on Holy Moly, The Amazing Race Australia, and I did see some commentary where people were really starting to point the finger at the EP and those in charge. Sometimes accidents do just happen. I totally agree. There's, I don't think there's much else to say. It's, just, it's an unfortunate accident. Nothing was deliberate. Um, we wish her well, speedy recovery. But the good old um, going on leave for whether it's two weeks, three weeks, can be a poison chalice for some. The ratings might go up with a fill-in co-host. But, no, it was, it was all an accident. Um, so, you know, we wish her a speedy recovery. The, the thing that came to mind when I first read that headline was uh, it, over the years I've been doing television, it used to be just Darwin Theory, you know, survival of the fittest. And over the years, OH&S, the department's got bigger and bigger and the, mm. the, the onus to put it, put together your risk assessment became bigger and bigger and I just had visions of all these people running around with clipboards going oh my god you know do we have enough thing in our risk assessment for this and you know that, that that's all that came to mind for me that all those clipboards going oh shit have we covered that or not anyway I've I got to be honest Sarah thereby the grace of god go I the amount of stunts we did on studio 10 that easily could have gone wrong we dunked people into water we had uh people on jet skis and all this kind of stuff you know like this is the essence of live variety tv and your breakfast shows and your morning shows are the closest we've got to variety tv these days you know nothing can ever be foolproof can it 
No, I mean, accidents totally happen. Um, I think it's just we've been watching so much of things like uh, I'm a Celebrity where people were getting bit by snakes on the face and there was, like, all of these things. And even in the last year's one where someone got the boulder ran over their head and they got a black eye, it's just it, I, it just seems like more and more and more we're seeing this stuff. And I don't know if it's just we're actually hearing about it and people did a better job of hiding it or if people are just getting a little careless I think there is a big difference between a primetime reality show, which is pre-recorded, and the live nature of breakfast TV. I know this didn't happen live on air, but it was being shot in a quick turnaround because they were shooting the story when they got to the Gold Coast for TX the following morning. I just think it's one of those unfortunate things. Yeah, I think this was just an accident and I wish her the best and hopefully she doesn't end up with a terrible scar on her leg. Yeah. All right, Network 10 has taken the axe to Totally Wild after an impressive 29-year run, and the science-based sister show, Scope, has also fallen. Channel 10 confirmed the news to TV Black Box, saying Network 10 remains committed to creating and producing local children's content, but its strategy has evolved to include the development and production of more children's drama programs. As a result of these shows no longer being produced, some on-air presenters and production staff will leave Network 10. David Robinson from the Ange, Rob and Robbo show spoke to Ranger Stacey about the cuts while hosting ABC Sunshine Drive last week. You know, we moved from our beautiful time slot that used to be in the afternoon yeah. a few years ago and then we went on to Peach um, in, the, in the mornings and then we, were, we went to the new one which is called Shake um, only... Oh, very recently, and our time slot was all over the place, you know, and so it was like Totally Wild was just, it was kind of fizzing. It just felt like it was fizzing, fizzing out, fading away. Um, and we knew something was not quite right. And then, um, so it's, you know, like there was gossip going around thinking, you know, what's going to happen to us? It doesn't look good. Um, and then, yeah, we were told yesterday that, um, yeah, it had been cancelled or yeah, axed, I guess is the is the word. Yeah. Um, and yeah, basically the whole of the office up at Channel 10, Mount Kutha for Kids TV, we're pretty much all out of there in a couple of weeks, including myself. I just can't believe it. Yeah, look, Rod, it is sad news, but I'm going to say this is not an easy decision for 10. You know, every media company in Australia is struggling. The advertising revenue is down and some tough decisions have to be made. I mean, it's a shame Ranger Stacey, who has been a stalwart of that network and a star of that network for so long, it's terrible when you see these people going. We saw that with Tim Bailey, Natasha Belling and a range of others from around the country when the the news cuts happened in October, I think it was last year. But this is a tough environment. Uh, what do you think about the idea of changing the strategy to focus on drama? I assume that's so they can get some funding from Screen Australia and the like. Yeah, that would definitely be it. Because let's face it, if the networks didn't have the quotas, and yes, the quotas were put on hold last year for Kids TV, um, if they didn't have to do Kids TV, they probably wouldn't do local no. stuff. Now, yes, they'll be driven by stuff that they can do pre-sales to as many territories as possible. And in fact, in one of the things coming up, wasn't uh, some of the funding has gone to, is that a 10-show dive club? Yep. So, yep. you know, they've probably got pre-sales in you know, 30, 40 territories. So whatever 10 puts up is, you know, a tiny fraction of what uh, the other territories will put up. So it would be good that there's still some uh, kids' content being produced, but as I say, if, if, they, if they didn't have to do it, they would just about play out uh, old cartoons in all the kids' spots, wouldn't they? CBS would be digging out of their archives and pushing their stuff. Absolutely. But, Aaron, when you look at it, 
Um, this makes sense from a corporate company like 10 is part of Viacom CBS. Totally Wild is not a program that can travel internationally easy, whereas dramas can. We know that it can be used on the new Paramount Plus service. We know that Netflix and other streamers can buy it. There's more money, there's more return on doing drama, isn't there? Yeah, when you say it's tough, I think it's tough in the, in the emotional sense, but not obviously financially. It's a lot of money for next to no ratings performance on a show that is stuck on a 10-shape time slot that, that nobody's watching. And the thing is, the competition is doing it better. I mean, people obviously watch the ABC ad-free um, and the Foxtel have, you know, kids' dedicated channels. There's absolutely no reason to be watching like kids would, would want to watch a couple of kids' programs on, on 10 Shake anyway. Um, and I think that the review that's going on at the moment looks like that, that children's quotas will be totally squashed. So these dramas that you're talking about are probably going to be on the way out too. Do you think the content quotas for children's television should be squashed? I, I think so. I just don't see... The government is, is, has government funding for the ABC for a dedicated uh, children's uh, channel, and then they have the ABC Me as well and the ABC Kids. That They're covering all of children's program, and, and you can get it, uh, obviously, through Foxtel. There's, there's just no... There seems to be no reason, really, to make Channel 7, 9 and 10 make a couple of 30-minute programs that are airing at, you know, 9.15am on 10 Shake or on some multi-channel. Look, I do agree with that, Sarah. As a parent... I'm more likely to let my kids sit in front of ABC Kids and watch TV where there are no ads, there are no Barbies and things like that being rammed down their throat as opposed to the commercial TV stations where they're getting a constant stream of advertising. Yeah, but, I mean, kids are going to be bombarded with advertising anyway because they're all on the internet and getting constant ads and stuff. But um, my thing is, like, I think part of me is happy that there's drama coming because it gives young people an opportunity to start their careers which in Australia there's not a lot of places for younger people to act um but on the other hand I'm kind of sad like I I auditioned for Totally Wild back in the day when I first moved to Brisbane yeah (laughs) didn't get it obviously um (laughs) but uh I liked that show and I like that it's educational because you know things like that you know they're actually learning something whereas if you have I mean unless you're bringing back like Secret Valley which I loved because Simone was in it um but um otherwise there's it's just kind of trash tv for kids like it's like you know, soap operas for children. Um, and I don't know if they really get anything out of that other than just, you know, terrible shows. No, look, I've got to take you to task here. There have been some great Aussie dramas. There's been things like H2O, Just Add Water and... Um, Round the Twist. Some, sorry? Round the Twist. Round the Twist. There's been some great Aussie dramas that do travel internationally. And so um, My in-laws seem... loved something called Lunchbox. Lunchbox, um, little lunch. Little, little um, lunch, and they is, forced me is to a watch great it. Show. Yeah, they were in love with it, and they are 60 years old, and they don't have children anymore. Um, <laughs> but they watched this show, like, fanatically, and they were like, you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And Matt and I watched it, and we're just like, 
Yeah, so we don't like kids. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but you've just gone against what you said because even people you know are watching these shows. It's Yeah, but they're special. Um, but... <laughs> Does that mean there's no room in the future for localised kids programming because there's just not the, the budget and the de- desire to, to, to make it? Like, you know, I, I think of another one, The Deep. Have you ever seen that? An animated series. That's Avril Stark, a local producer. But, you know, again, she had to sell that to 50-plus territories to mm. get it up. So is there... Is, is there no room for localised kids programming, I guess? Well, I, I think it's dying. I, I think the live aspect, like your lifestyle-type shows like Totally Wild are going to be a thing of the past and there's more return on drama, especially when you're getting funding, you're meeting your content quotas and then you can possibly make money from international sales. So it, it the format is changing, you know, like this tradition we've had of making great kids shows like Agro's Cut and Connection, The Early Bird Show, um, all Lumper those room. kind of things are dead. Yeah. Well, if you've ever wondered why reality TV shows are often stretched out to 90 minutes, the answer is, of course, cost-saving. Andrew Backwell, head of production at Seven, told TV Tonight, not many networks are investing heavily in 8.30 or 9 o'clock shows. We just don't have the money to do it. Also, in terms of advertising costs, it's much, it's much cheaper to do a 90 than a 60 when you're investing so much money. He also referred to the fact that networks must do it in line with competitors as viewers aren't going to switch over to you when their show isn't finished. You know, Rod, this was one of my complaints about Holy Moly. I think Holy Moly is a great show, but it's a good 60-minute show. It stretches out too long at 90 minutes. Are these networks killing their golden geese in the trying to be like the others and get more bang for their buck? Yeah, look, I, I think you're right there. Um, and look, I've got to say, Holy Moly um, is one of the best new shows I've seen in a long time. I, yeah. I, I flicked it on for 30 seconds last week while I was waiting for my wife who was going to watch something on Netflix, and I was hooked in 30 seconds. I thought it was going to be the <laughs> dumbest thing I'd ever seen, but brilliant casting. The the set was good. I uh, don't know if they're overexposing Sonia, but that's another point we'll probably talk about in a little while. Um but, yeah, I just thought it was brilliant. Interestingly, the concept was come up with from uh, Wes Denning, who's a former Big Brother housemate, and Totally Wild talent. So, you know, oh, is, ta- really? ta- is talent like that going to be lost if there aren't things like Totally mm. Wild? Sorry to be uh, rewinding. But, yeah, Wes Denning, it was his idea, and it worked it up with Paul Franklin and um, Chris Culverner, uh, Eureka. But, yeah, they sold it in the States, and here it's come back, and I think it's brilliant. Oh, what a great success yeah. story. <laughs> and, and sorry to, uh, to, to go over your original question. Yeah, they pro- look, the fact is the more they can amortise whatever their setup costs and, and whatever over the, the more number of minutes that uh, they can generate, yeah, well, they're going to do it. And if that sort of is going to overexpose it or whatever, well, you know, that's the risk they run. But it, yeah, well, it's budget. Risk. Yeah. Aaron, what do you, where do you stand on this making a 90-minute show when it should be an hour? Well, personally, obviously, if it should be an hour, it should be an hour. It stretches out too long. But it, it is just money, money, money. Um, this is why the networks also play double episodes of shows. It, they get more value, Channel 10, of airing Bull at 9 p.m. and then a repeat at 10 than they do showing Bull at 9 and then some other show at 10 because the audience will flow right through for the two hours rather than flicking off to another program. The other one is is movies. You know, they're still sticking with movies on the, on the networks. Last night, The Avengers um, got about 301,000 viewers, which doesn't sound like very much, but that's 301,000 across 8.30 right through to 11.15. Um, 
whereas the other networks are losing viewers 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30, and then they're only got 160,000 viewers by the time they get to 9.30 p.m. So the networks are going to stretch it out, and then they don't have to make a, you know, an 8.30 show. I mean, 10 are still investing. QZ, have you been paying attention? Gogglebox and dramas and stuff. But everyone else would rather just put that the money into these and make them, make them longer. Sure, but is this a chicken and the egg scenario? Andrew Backwell just said they're not investing in 9 o'clock shows. It's all going into 7.30 programming. We know that the networks are losing pretty much their entire audience at 9 o'clock. Is this of the network's own doing because they're not investing in those time slots? Yes, you said, you see Gogglebox at 8.30, it gets an audience. Yeah, it does get an audience, but it's it, it's, it would be cheaper to make the, for example, the amazing race go from 7.30 to, example, 9 o'clock at 9.30 and not make Gogglebox than it would be to show the amazing race and to show Gogglebox if you're investing in two programs. So what they're doing is allowing the audience, I mean, Channel 10, as I said, still do it, but the others, uh, you know, don't seem to do it. They do cheaper programming, you know, past 8.30. I think it's uh, a worrying trend when the only thing you're worrying about is one and a half hours of your whole schedule for the entire day. You know, you're relying on news, a staple that skews old. You're then relying on a current affair and home and away, respectively, on 9 and 7, to keep that audience there. And then it's all about one program. So if that program fails, you're done until the run of that show's over. Look at The Amazing Race on 10. It's not really firing. It's doing okay. But... All it takes is for one flop, and we see where seven were last year when they had a string of flops, when that big, ballsy primetime show didn't work. So, mm. you know, you got all your money on black, you, you know, like, and if it comes up red, you're stuffed. Well, the Greens will ask the Auditor-General to review Foxtel's $40 million grant for women's sport after a series of technical glitches marred coverage of the W League, according to The Guardian. Foxtel was given an additional $10 million by the government to boost women's and underrepresented sport, bringing to $40 million the total taxpayer funding for the subscription TV service since 2017. But viewers and sports officials have complained about Fox Sports' poor production values and audio and video dropouts during W League matches in January. The funding has also become a bone of contention with Nine Entertainment, who recently lost the rights to Australia's Super Netball competition, which will move to an exclusive new home on Foxtel and KO. In a statement, Nine said, We are disappointed that after working with Netball to grow the game for the past five years, we find they have taken the deal with Foxtel, which is supported by government money, which we don't have access to. Sarah, this is interesting. I like the idea of funding women's sport, but this does seem to be causing some issues. Should it just be going to Foxtel to do this or should this $10 million be carved up amongst the networks as each of them commit to doing a sport and they then get the funding for that? Um, I guess if everybody's doing sports and everyone's trying to promote women's sports, then it should probably be spread out so that everyone is incentivized to show sports. So, Rod, where, where do we go from here? Um, you know, like, as Sarah said, it is good that we're showing this content, but obviously to see it on Foxtel, you've got to pay. Is there an argument that if free-to-air TV wants a bit more funding... They have to show these kind of sports. Yeah, look, to me, the natural home for, for, for the women's soccer would be the ABC because we're paying for it anyway. So I, I, yep. it doesn't feel right to me that we're giving taxpayer money to 
Foxtel to broadcast a sport that there might not be the the demand for to um, to justify the the productions that production values that they want. So you know, to me, there's so many sports out there screaming for attention. Um, why gift 40, 50 million to an entity like Foxtel to let them do a crap job with it? Um, to well, me, well, yeah, and. It- if they're paying for it, like if you have to pay to watch Foxtel, why why is the government giving them money? Yeah, exactly. It just it it feels wrong, and to me, there's so many other ways that. And, and let's face it, soccer's not an obscure sport, but there are plenty of obscure sports that are getting their their content to the eyeballs that want it using alternate things like streaming. So, um, you know, if 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 that particular sport isn't can't be justified to have the production values well sorry it shouldn't be happening there it shouldn't, and it should not be taxpayer money going to foxtel to pay for it do you know in foxtel's defense the one thing i would say is that if no one else was broadcasting these sports and they went to the government and said we will broadcast these sports but we just need a bit of money to do that then i think that's a good initiative from the people of foxtel and well done the other thing I would say, you and pick up on your point about streaming, I've actually been doing a little bit of side work in my office here where I'm switching water polo for Clutch TV. Exactly. So there's this service that streams um, matches, uh, various matches that aren't big sports, but, you know, there's a lot of interest in university teams. I literally sit in my office up here on the Gold Coast and I'm getting a multi-camera feed from Sydney from aquatic centres in Sydney, and I'm literally switching water polo with replays and supers and all that kind of stuff. And what they've put together and the way they've put together is a brilliant production Mm. and the way they do it. So there's certainly... I, I tell you what, if the federal government wants to give me $10 million, I can go and pretty much do every sport that they want done and have every sport represented. It doesn't just have to be a few, and we can provide them free of cost. I'll take your $10 million now, Government it, of Australia. Thank it, you very exactly. Much. And, look, just similarly, I've just started a consultancy for, for Surf Australia. And, like, as you say, there's ways that these people can do mm. content to a good enough level. Those people who want to watch the sport, they just want to watch the sport. They don't necessarily need to see, you know, the, the greatest, most beautiful VizRT graphics. As long as they're seeing whatever the, the sport is they're passionate about, that's what yep. they want to see. Yep. Absolutely. I was going to say, I'm just, it's something about sports I'm getting really sick of. I either want to watch it on free-to-air and it's there on free-to-air or they say this sport is not available on free-to-air, it's available on some streaming platform on Foxtel and I will pay for it. This half ass thing where they do, where the AFL, you're interested in the AFL and you'll get some games on Channel 7, but if you're following, for example, Richmond, some of their games are on Foxtel, so do I have to pay for half a service and all that? Netball. All games on Foxtel, a few games on Channel 9. I'd rather just go, okay, you know what? Uh, Foxtel has got the netball. I'm going to pay for the netball because I'm interested in it. But watching two games, you know, a week, and they may not be the games or the teams that you're interested in, um, so you have to do this half and half. I reckon it's bullshit. It's either <laughs> yeah, Fox, Foxtel, KO, Optus, Stan, They've got it or they don't. I don't think it's as easy as that because this is the whole reason we had the anti-siphoning list because if we're honest, if Foxtel could gobble up the AFL rights, that is going to be a huge subscription driver and they would take that and if it wasn't on a free-to-air, people would be forced to pay for it and that's why we have the anti-siphoning list to stop that from happening so that Australians still have access to the big sports 
for free. Yeah, but they don't have the access to it, access to it. If you're a Western Bulldogs fan of the AFL, you cannot watch every game of the Western Bulldogs on Channel Seven. You sure. have to watch every Collingwood game on Friday Night Football. You have to. It's it's, it's not That's as simple part of as the that. compromise. Actually, can, can I just throw in a speculator here? Increasingly, if you look at um, any sort of production. The middlemen are getting cut out and they're missing out on their clip of the ticket. The distribution and sales channels are uh, simplifying down. So, like, whether it's HBO or whatever, you, if you want, you can buy the, the content direct. And I think of a sport that I'm passionate about, MotoGP. Dorna, the Spanish company that own that, I still pay €140 Euros to get that, even though 10 and Foxtel have it, because I can watch every race. I can just about watch every race mm. from any angle I want. I'm happy to pay for that as well as Foxtel because I'm passionate about that sport. So I guess what I'm saying is as as the tools and, and the, the um, ability to create your own good content comes up, like what's to stop Netball Australia or the, the women's soccer from gearing up their own production, selling it straight to their people? Absolutely. Well, outside of anti-siphoning laws, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Although Australians are inherently known for not wanting to pay for content. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Well, Sunday night saw the official start of the ratings for 2021. So let's take a look at how it went for the networks. And to be honest, it was a bit of a lacklustre start, but that is partly due to the tennis delay causing havoc with schedules. While no show managed to get over a million viewers, Seven News was the number one show, followed by Nine News, 60 Minutes and ABC News. Holy Moly was the number one entertainment show of the night with just 669,000 viewers, and The Amazing Race had 541,000. Aaron, Seven and Ten would have been expecting better, wouldn't they? They... They probably would have. It's, it is a bit funny because of the Australian Open. I mean, we wouldn't normally be seeing this Trump specialing. I must say, Channel 7 should be thanking the people of Perth. If you look at the ratings for last night, 7 News and 9 News, 9 News won in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane and Adelaide. But because they had triple, basically doubled the results in Perth, 7 News came out number one nationally. So that was uh, interesting. But, yeah, pretty lacklustre night. Holy moly, 6.29. It at least improved um, on its performance on Wednesday. Um, but, yeah, movies after after that, FBI most wanted. It's pretty It, it was a dull. holding pattern night, except for the fact 10 and 7 had their two big launch shows of the ratings year with Amazing Race and Holy Moly. For them to be not up against Murray at first sight, you'd expect them to do better. Yeah, they, they held their own, 629, 541. They buried at first sight. We'll come in with 800, 900. It's probably what we're going to expect. It's it's, yeah, it's, it's funny. We always used to have um, you know, sayings around the, the corridors at Big Brother back in the Channel 10 days. It's like, oh, did we make a million? And if we didn't get a million viewers each night, we were in trouble. you know. And then <laughs> 900 became the new million. So what are we down to now? 600's the new million, is it? Or yeah, 500? It's funny you say that. I was about to say, oh, 669,000, whatever yeah. it was, 629,000. <laughs> Oh, it's held its own. Is that's where we yeah. are now? And you know, this this is the problem. Where does this take TV going forward? Don't know. Well, they just got to come up with better content. Well, but then they've got the budgets. I know it's a, it's an on it's a forever going downhill spiral. You know. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, I'll be interested to see next week how week one of ratings has gone and how the tennis goes for nine in this new time slot. I've got a feeling it might do well, even though we don't have all the big players, but we shall see. In the meantime, it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. Sky News Across Australia, the one-hour nightly program hosted by Peter Gleeson, has been quietly axed after one year on air. 
A Sky spokesperson told TV Black Box it won't be returning in 2021, but Peter Gleason continues to anchor the front page. Two feature films, three television dramas, one children's series and one online project are the latest to be funded by Screen Australia for ABC and Viacom CBS and Netflix. Head of content Sally Kaplan said, It's fantastic to kick off 2021 with such a great sample of the premium dramas that are being greenlit across the country. After a brief and unsuccessful run on Channel 10, Dancing with the Stars is returning to Seven for an all-star season and the first teaser trailer has been released. It's set to air over two weeks and while unconfirmed, original hosts Daryl Summers and Sonia Kruger are tipped to return. After falling victim to the brutal round of redundancies at Channel 10 last year, Georgia Love has found new work at Seven News Melbourne. In a statement to the And Robin Robbo show, Love said, I'm so happy to be out on the road with such a great network. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you very much, Sarah. In a moment, we will meet the experts from Married at First Sight for 2021. There's been a few changes, and they're talking about what's involved in making reality TV. Stay tuned for that one. And we'll be opening the TV binge box to find out what everyone's been watching. You're listening to TV Black Box. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. These are real confessions. Saying I've wanted to kill my mother since I was eight years old. From real serial killers. Oh, just got to be violent. Best-selling true crime author Amanda Howard doesn't just talk about their crimes. She talks directly to them. It's all getting a bit much, really. It's the podcast that goes where others fear to tread. Monsters Who Murder. Serial Killer Confessions. Subscribe now in your favourite podcast feed. Well, Nine's big reality tentpole, Married at First Sight, returns on February 22 this year. The show has been delayed due to COVID-19 affected tennis, but Nine is still expecting big ratings despite the delay. Recently, I spoke with the experts on the show, Alessandria Rompola, John Aitken and Mel Schilling. Hello, guys. Good to see you. Hello, Robert. <laughs> Alessandria, I've got to say, you really brought the to the series. Thank you for that. <laughs> has the sex therapy been something that has been missing? I think um, when I first saw the previous uh, seasons that were sent to me to evaluate, you know, when thinking about joining uh, the experiment, I think it was kind of hovered over the topic of sexuality and I felt like it needed to be delved into a little bit more. And I, my first reaction watching previous seasons was that, oh, we, we could totally go there a little bit more. And I do think it's very important to do so. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? Because couples are thrown together. Obviously, you guys are trying to work your magic and trying to create perfect couples. But the sexuality side of it is quite bizarre because they've only just met. They've married straight away. At what point does sex play a role? It's interesting how you're trying to bring them together on that sexual side. 
Yes, I think it's it's going to vary from couple to couple because it varies from each person how comfortable they feel integrating sexuality in a relationship. Some people are very quick to feel comfortable with the physical aspect of a relationship and others really need to have a strong bond have been formed before they allow themselves to be open with their sexuality. And even then, sometimes you find that there's going to be discrepancies as to, you know, the rhythms or the intensity or what type of sexual play they're comfortable with. And these are all very important things that need to be actually spoken about. When you're building a relationship in, you know, outside the experiment, it tends to be one of the first things that people talk about, you know, what are you into? What do you like? What do you not like? And if they talk about it, they talk about it very generally. So I think it's one of the things that I have as a goal coming into the experiment is just to normalize that which we all know is normal for human beings, which is our sexual expression. But it's the one thing that to this day is a huge taboo in society. Not, I would not say only in Australia. I think it's a taboo worldwide. Now, John, how seriously do you take your role in trying to bring couples together and find the right matches? Well... I mean, I speak for all three of us. We're very serious about it. Our fingerprints are across all of them. We really want, uh, you know, for the happily ever after. Now, people that have watched the series know that uh, that's not uh, very easy, uh, mm. regardless of how much time and effort you put into the assessment phase of it. They're uh, in this pressure cooker. They've got cameras on them. They bring their own baggage into it. Uh, they have patterns that they're totally unaware of. Uh, and so, yes, we take it incredibly seriously, but we're also very, very philosophical about what can happen when, you know, two complete strangers meet and try and fall in love. You know, it's interesting, John. One of the things I really like about you in this series is your no-nonsense approach at times when you just call BS on what they're trying to say. Is that an important aspect as far as dealing with big personalities on this show in trying to get to the heart of the matter and actually make it work? Yes. I mean, ultimately, um, I think we'll talk very directly at them, um, to them, and I think we'll see more of that in Series 8. Mm. Uh, but I really want to shake them up and call them out because they don't have a lot of time. And so if they're doing something wrong, we need to highlight that for them uh, and then um, see whether they're going to pick the ball up and run with it. And in my experience, being light and fluffy doesn't work. So I just go really hard to see what uh, what happens. And sometimes they... They change immediately. Others, they go away and think about it and change. And others, you know, tell me to go away. You know, <laughs> but that's okay. You know, and they stay the same. But we uh, certainly hold them accountable in a way which they've probably never been held accountable before in the real world when it comes to relationships. Mel, one of the things in the new series I found interesting is there is one couple where I've got to be honest, if I was the guy... I would have walked away because she took an instant disliking to him. Should you go with your gut or see it out? Because even in the couple of episodes I've seen, that relationship does start to take a turn, but I can't be sure it's ever actually going to get there. Look, I'd say, Rob, one of the, the greatest lessons that we've learned over, you know, now eight seasons of this show is that first impressions do not necessarily determine the relationship success. Mm. You know, so many people talk about, you know, the importance of first impressions, but I think we see the opposite. And we see such incredible merit in people 
remaining present and being open and being prepared to compromise a little bit and to just let go of some of their old expectations. You know, so many people who come into this experiment are there and are still single at, you know, whatever age they are because they've got these unrealistic expectations and often they come in and they project those onto their new partner at the altar and all of a sudden they don't measure up and it's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. You know, something I found very interesting about the casting of this season is there's a lot of insecurity on the table. I think in previous seasons, we've certainly had a lot of big characters. And look, we certainly have that here, even in episode one. There's what I like to call a traditional maths moment where the bachelorette party, it really descends for a moment. But it really does seem to me you've got the characters this year that are finding their own demons and insecurities. Is that an important evolution for the show? Absolutely. And look, I, I would challenge that to say that there's been insecurities in every episode, sorry, in every season of the, yeah. of the show. But what you're seeing this time around is um, greater, greater courage and bravery and willingness to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was very intentional, you know, in our, in our selection of participants coming in this time around. We wanted people who were throw themselves into the process and trust the process and us completely. And it's great, it's great feedback for us to hear that you're already seeing that, you know, in just watching the first couple of episodes. Mm. Uh, I have a big problem with reality TV contestants who go on about the villain edit and all those kind of things. Am I right in thinking it is a depiction of what you are? Yes, they take moments, but you have to do these things, don't you? What advice do you have for reality TV contestants? What do they need to know about themselves before they go on a show like this? Uh, I would have to agree with you. I, I find it quite frustrating as well. You know, there's something in this about informed consent and people coming into this process, knowing exactly what the process is about, how it works, having seen, you know, particularly with our show, seven series going before them. Um, there's something here about putting on your big boy and big girl pants and, and owning up and taking responsibility, you know, rather than trying to um, deflect or blame others or say I got the bad edit or, you know, it was taken out of context. I think there's something in this in terms of personal growth and self-awareness where people can actually look back at the series and watch themselves and, and have some moments of, wow, do I actually come across that way? Ouch. And as you would have seen, Rob, in our special with some of our participants who came through in series five and six, there was great awareness about, oh God, did I come across that way? I can't believe I said that. But there were also people who went through that entire process, received that incredibly direct feedback through the screen and still went, oh, this is me, I'm not gonna change. And the new series of Married at First Sight begins Monday, February 22 at 7.30pm. Alessandria, John and Mel, thank you for being on TV Black Box. It's interesting, isn't it, Aaron? Um, I do agree with them that reality TV stars at this stage in the game in 2021 know what they're going into. You can't cry victim these days, can you? I don't know, I guess it just seems so obvious, but then problems keep coming up each year. But it just seems, if you go on Married at First Sight, surely you have watched every previous season before that and know every word and everything is going to be put, you know, into, into context or edited. It just, all these people that seem surprised, I, there must be more to it than I know, but it just, it seems pretty <laughs> obvious. Well, 
I, I would also say that it's an easy get out of jail free card. If you come across as a dick, you say, I got the villain edit. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're not a dick in the first place, you can't get the villain edit. Correct. Exactly. Uh, it, Correct. My advice to any aspiring reality TV stars, search out on the web. Uh, Marion Farrelly is a former producer, executive producer, not just of Big Brother Australia, but she uh, EP'd Big Brother in the UK and she used to produce um, oh, TV AM back in the, the day. Um, and her, her advice, she'll give you all the advice about what you should be aware of going into any reality TV series. Okay, good advice. Let's find out what everyone's been watching. It's time for TV Binge Box. Aaron, what have you been watching in the past week? Well, lots because I was in uh, lockdown, but I still stick to the traditional commercial stuff, but particularly in America. So I watched 911 and like 911 Lone Star. I've been watching that Wild Bill, that, that Rob Lowe show. It's on 7-2 at the moment. Um, I watched Riverdale. I've been watching that new Walker, which is available on, on Stan, which is absolutely nothing like the... Uh, Chuck Norris series at all. I don't even know why it's called Walker. But, um, yeah, I'm, I am going to watch Bridgerton, Bridgerton next because everyone says it's the best show ever. So I'm going to get on it board is. this week. <laughs> Sarah, okay. what have you been watching? Um, we watched um, – there's a new Anna Paquin show that um, she's a publicist. Um, oh, I forget the name of it. Uh, but it's brand new, and we watched the first episode of that, um, that it was, like, very bizarre. And then um, lately we've been just been going out a lot, so when we come home we just kind of watch old, like, the, watching rewatching the first season of NCIS um, back when they had Kate, and then um, really just torturing ourselves with some more 90 Day Fiancé. <laughs> hey Ron, Sarah, what about you? I was just going to say, Sarah, there's two programs with her, and it's either Flack or The Affair. Is it one of those? The shows? Flack, Flack, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was good, but yeah, it was very a uh, little close to home. <laughs> Okay, Rod, what have, what have you been watching? Um, my favourite thing I've seen this week is a new show on the ABC, Aftertaste. Uh, half hour on Wednesday night, I think it is. Um, yeah, yeah, conceived by Julie Gafina, who's actually a mate of mine. Um, it's absolutely hilarious. Can highly recommend that to you. But I've also been uh, re-watching the early series of The Crown just because it's so nice to watch. The production yeah. values, the writing, mm. the, the sets, it's just... Who cares if it's accurate to the way the Windsor family really is? It's just wonderful to watch. And the other thing I love watching is Below Deck Mediterranean. <laughs> That's my oh, yeah. guilty pleasure. Love it. <laughs> well, I've got to be honest, most of my spare minutes in the week have been taken up with Superstore on Netflix. <laughs> and for all those people who've had a go at me about that, it is one of the top ten shows on Netflix at the moment. So screw you all. I'm <laughs> loving it and I'm proud of it. I love trashy comedies, what can I say? Um, but, of course, WandaVision have actually managed to get my wife watching that and who we did a big catch-up and she loves it as well. WandaVision is just one of those shows that you really should see it before the big twists come because we're starting to find out more and more about what it's all about. I feel that in the next couple of weeks we're going to get some major reveals. Go and binge WandaVision now on Disney+. Plus. It's really easy to binge and you will love it. 
Um, but that has really taken up all my time this week outside of news and today and sunrise. And, you know, I, I watch a lot of news-based programming. But, um, yeah, that's what I've been watching. So there are your recommendations for the week, everyone. And that brings us to the end of another TV Black Box. Don't forget to go to tvblackbox.com.au for the latest news and plenty of exclusive stories. Rod, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Rob. You'll have to come back again next week. I'll uh, I'll be sure to be here. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm not busy. Gonna, <laughs> I wondered what he was going to say then, Sarah. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, hopefully he does. Yes, and we'll see you next week too. And Aaron, we'll see you next week. Thank you very much. Thank you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.